home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey guys, my name is Doug. This is episode 29 of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. A while ago, I came across an article that I found particularly concerning and somewhat disturbing. Now, I'm not going to divulge the location or the names of the people involved in this podcast, but there will be a link to the actual news story in the show notes, so it's not like these are going to be any great secret, at least as long as that article remains online. But for our purposes here, the names and the place don't matter. Here's the story. You see, this gentleman had made a request to his local board of adjustment that he be allowed to operate his wood shop as a home business. Sounds reasonable, right? He has a workshop set up, probably in his garage, and he figures that he has a viable business as a woodworker. Well, as you might expect, going through the proper channels means dealing with bureaucracy. This guy submitted his application back in the fall. It went before the Board of Adjustment in December, where residents presented their arguments for or against allowing the business, and then the board delayed its decision. Apparently, the city staff had determined that the woodshop be classified as a home business. And, of course, there was one neighbor in particular who challenged that determination, claiming that woodworking by its nature was, in fact, manufacturing. And manufacturing is not allowed in a residential neighborhood. And therein lay the problem that the board had to wrestle with, how to define manufacturing. Certainly, woodworking by its nature is manufacturing. You are taking material, wood, and making something with it. But There are plenty of home workshops, as the administrator pointed out. People make stuff in their garages all the time. Really, if you want to get nitpicky about it, Grandma Martha, knitting mittens for the church bazaar in her kitchen, is, by definition, manufacturing. At least that's the first argument that came to my mind. Well. According to the administrator, manufacturing would be a factory, something that looks like, smells like, and sounds like a factory. And that isn't the case here. Then he said something a little crazy. It's like pornography. You know it when you see it. Really? Pornography? (laughs) Interesting comparison, no? But anyway, the manufacturing thing was the neighbor's main complaint, and the board actually sided with the woodworker and voted 5-2 to to reject the neighbor's appeal on that basis. But it wasn't over yet. They moved on to determine the impact on the neighborhood. That same neighbor presented a dozen letters from other neighbors opposed to the workshop complaining about having to live next door to a flurry of activity every day. Flurry of activity. 
Really? How is a guy working in his garage or wood shop a flurry of activity? Is that any different than the grease monkey wrenching on his car? Or the gardener outside working in his garden every day? Or what about the guy training to be the next American ninja warrior on his backyard obstacle course? Or what about the kids playing hockey or basketball in their driveway? I mean, there was no legitimate noise complaint. The woodshop had been soundproofed, and there were no recorded complaints about noise. Flurry of activity. We have a neighbor who sits out by his pool every day in the summer with his stereo on. It's not obnoxiously loud or anything like that, but his deck is higher than our fence, and every time we go out on the patio, there he is, with his buddy or his girlfriend du jour swilling adult beverages with puddle of mud playing in the background. Yes, puddle of mud. On an endless loop. Does that have an effect on our enjoyment of our property? The answer is yes, but it's not to the extent that we would ever complain about it. It's something that we learn to live with. What about the kids on the other side of us screaming at the top of their lungs, jumping on their trampoline? How would having a woodworking shop in a garage compare? I'm, uh, I'm asking for a friend. Flurry of activity. What if this guy turned his workshop into a man cave, complete with a big screen TV and a beer fridge? And what if he had half a dozen friends over every weekend or on Monday nights for football? Is that more or less flurry? Doesn't every neighborhood have a flurry of activity of sorts? Another point that was brought up was the storage of materials. Really, isn't the garage a dumping ground for a lot of homeowners? What materials are we talking about here? Wood? Why? Is it a fire concern? Well, isn't Timmy's second grade schoolwork that's stored in a cardboard box just as flammable? Or is it paints and stains? Not like anyone else stores those things in their garage. What about the oil and grease that car guys have in their garages? Or how about this? What about the folks who have stacks of firewood next to their garage or shed? To me, that would be more of a concern, what with rodents and whatnot. Any complaints about this guy operating a wood shop? could apply to just about any of us. Ultimately, the Adjustment Board decided the following. There was no danger to the public health, etc., etc., and it met all required conditions and specifications. But, it would adversely affect the use or any physical attribute of adjoining or abutting property. And with that, the request to operate a home occupation woodshop was denied. My question is, 
Does this decision mean that he can no longer do any woodworking on his property? Is he not allowed to pursue woodworking as a hobby? Is there a limit to the number of hours that you can work on a hobby? Speaking for myself, I would like to pursue woodworking as a hobby. Like most home workshoppers, I intend to make things for myself and to give as gifts to family and friends. And maybe, just maybe, sell some things at a craft show or flea market. It's my planned retirement activity. Some guys play golf. I want to make stuff. Would I be able to do that in that particular community? Will I be able to do that in my own community? As I said, a lot of things affect the use or any physical attribute of adjoining or abutting property. Kind of vague, don't you think? What about the use of our own property? Don't we have the right to use and enjoy our own property? And at what point do our rights infringe on the rights of our neighbors? Well, this case got me thinking about neighbors in general. We all have them, and how we get along with our neighbors is fundamental to the enjoyment of our property. We've been lucky to have always had good neighbors. Questionable taste in music aside, Puddle of Mud Guy takes really good care of his house, and he's a nice enough guy, even though we don't interact too much. The same goes with the Screaming Kids folks on the other side. There's no tension or animosity or anything like you have in some neighborhoods. Now, where I grew up was an idyllic neighborhood. The type where neighbors sat on their porches, invited each other over for coffee, and kept a watchful eye on each other's kids. Our next-door neighbor was a peculiar guy. Sweet, but kind of peculiar. This was a guy who, if a power tool was fired up anywhere in the neighborhood, he was there to see what was going on and to offer his expertise and assistance. I am saying that a little, just a little facetiously, because sometimes the last thing you want when you're trying to do something is a busybody interfering with your work. But then, of course, there are times when an extra set of hands or another opinion are needed and welcome. When my dad built a patio cover extension onto his garage, this guy was over every day to help. Or maybe it was help, in quotations. Was his help welcome? I think it was, but it did add some pressure to the project. Anyway, after my dad passed away, I was fixing up the house a little bit to get it ready to sell, and I actually had the driveway replaced. The same helpful neighbor came out with his survey and a tape measure to make sure that the new driveway did not encroach on his property by so much as an inch. He was 
also pretty upset that the edge of his lawn was getting damaged, even though I assured him that I would take care of it when the driveway was done. <laughs> Interesting guy. When I bought my first house, my next-door neighbor's first impression of a single guy moving in next door was not very favorable. He wasn't looking forward to the partying and the noise. What? Me? Parties? Noise? He was worrying about nothing. But he did mention those concerns to my dad, who he probably thought was there helping the people who were still in the process of moving out. Nevertheless. When he saw me, he held up a bottle of beer and invited me over. And we got along really well after that. In fact, we ended up having a lot in common. We both worked similar jobs, we both enjoyed working on our houses, and we were both getting into woodworking. But looking back, there were times that I almost blew it. The first incident happened shortly after I moved in. There was an extension on the back of the garage that the previous owner had built but hadn't yet sided, so I hired someone to install vinyl siding and eaves troughs. The next time I talked to my neighbor, we talked about how much better the garage looked and all that, but he also mentioned that he wished that I had waited until he was on the day shift. He was on the afternoon shift, and he wasn't able to sleep in as late as he wanted because of all the hammering. Yeah, I guess that's a good point to make here. Certainly you can't schedule everything around all, all of your neighbor's work schedules, but you can probably at least try to take your immediate neighbors into consideration. And you know it probably wouldn't hurt to let others in the neighborhood know when you're going to be doing work or having work done where there is going to be a lot of noise involved, like roofing or siding. So anyway, I was apologetic, and thankfully, it wasn't that much of an issue. The only other time there was any kind of problem was when I was working on the basement. We had carpet coming, and I was rushing to get some things finished. I still had framing to do. And that involved running out to the garage to cut some lumber. My garage wasn't insulated for sound. And I had lost track of time. And I was doing this in the wee hours of the morning. Well, my neighbor was pretty understanding. He knew that we had a time crunch. But he did mention that his wife had trouble sleeping. Now... Had he opened his window and yelled at me or called me on the phone, I would have stopped immediately. I had no idea how much noise I was making. I was completely oblivious. But again, he was pretty understanding since this was not a regular occurrence. Now, there was this one time, I forget where I was, but there was this god-awful noise coming from the inside of a nearby house. And it took a while, but I realized that that noise was somebody drilling into either the block foundation or into the slab floor. And it was at that moment that I realized just how much noise I must have made when I was working on my house. When you are working inside, you really don't have much concept of 
how much of that noise travels outside. That neighbor probably put up with a lot more than he let on. <laughs> Oops. But one of the biggest mistakes that I made while living in that house was this. The neighbor across the back was a really good guy. We chatted over the back fence a number of times. We got along well. No issues whatsoever. Well, my next door neighbor decided to build a new privacy fence across the bottom of his yard because the existing fence was not in very good shape. And he asked me if I wanted to continue the fence across our backyard. I looked at it as a new challenge, as a do-it-yourselfer. I didn't realize that it would end a good relationship with another neighbor. My backyard neighbor made it clear that there was nothing wrong with the chain-link fence that was already there. And he wasn't willing to contribute to the cost of a new fence. But he also said that he didn't care if I put one up. I didn't really press the point. I completely understood his position. And I thought that I made it clear that it was nothing personal. But that was really the last time we spoke. Building a privacy fence does send a message, whether it's intended or not. When we moved into our money pit, we only had one next-door neighbor. There was a lot of distance between us and the houses across the road. We had no back neighbors, and we were next to a woodlot, so there was just one neighbor who we actually had much contact with. And thankfully, we got along okay. Not as great as at my first house, but we chatted often, and it was, all in all, a good relationship. That is until the day that we had a major storm. A storm that uprooted trees in the area. A storm that caused a limb from our tree to crash down on his daughter's car. He called me up to let me know what happened. Now, a few years earlier, at our old house, our neighbor's tree lost a branch and ended up damaging our van. So I shared the knowledge that I gained from that experience. It's covered by the comprehensive clause of the auto insurance, as long as there's no negligence. And this was a storm that produced damaging winds, and the tree was healthy. So I let him know that it was covered under his daughter's auto insurance rather than our house insurance. And I thought that was that. I thought I was being helpful. That is, until the next time I saw him. He was furious. We argued for at least half an hour. Our good neighbor relationship came close to going down the toilet that day. And although I didn't have to, I ended up volunteering to pay the deductible just to salvage the relationship. He later apologized for being out of line and things got back to normal. But, you know, right or wrong, sometimes you just have to take that extra step to keep the peace. You see cases like this all the time on People's Court or Judge Judy. People who let disputes like this destroy their relationship with their neighbor. It's not worth it. 
In my case, I knew that neither my neighbor nor I planned on moving anytime soon, and to not have a friendly relationship would have just been miserable. So $500 for an insurance deductible to make things right was preferable to an ongoing feud. Generally speaking, getting along with your neighbors is not rocket science. You just have to respect one another's right to enjoy your own property without encroaching on the other's enjoyment of their property. Sometimes, like we saw with the woodworking shop, there just isn't common ground, but for most reasonable people, you can come to a compromise. And a compromise is just that. Both sides have to give a little. The, um, the old serenity prayer comes into play here. Some things, some neighbors, you just can't change. And you need to learn to accept them for who they are. But sometimes all it takes is a little communication to prevent a problem from escalating. You know, change the things you can. And of course, there's the wisdom to know the difference, to know what battles to pick. And this would be a good place to end this podcast, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one other type of neighbor. The rat. You know who I'm talking about. The guy who calls the building department to report you for working without a permit? I've talked about permits previously, so I'm not going to get into that here. But if you choose to do some work without getting a permit, I can't imagine there's a worse feeling than having an inspector knocking on your door because someone made the call. Or so I assume. It actually hasn't happened to me. My experience has been neighbors trying to talk me out of spending money and going through the hassle of getting the municipality involved. Probably because they don't. But of course, I'm just assuming. But anyway, let's look at why this blankety-blank neighbor won't mind their own business and seemingly has a desire to cause trouble for you. Let's say you are putting a bathroom in your basement. And that's something you need permits for. But let's say you don't bother with the permit. When you finish your bathroom, you now have what? A two-bathroom house. This increases the real estate value of your house. If you sell your house, you can sell it as a two-bathroom house. But according to your property assessment, the house only has one bathroom. So now, according to your assessment, that one-bathroom house is worth as much as a two-bathroom house. So that causes other assessment values to go up. Now, let's say your neighbor also put a bathroom in his house, but he went through the proper channels and got permits. Now, the assessed value of his house is artificially inflated. I mean, his two-bathroom house must be worth more than the one-bathroom house next door. But at the end of the day, the real estate value is the same. Property taxes are based on the assessed value. So, he is paying higher property taxes, though... Really, how much of a difference it makes probably isn't significant. Still, as they say, it's not the money, it's the principle. And maybe it comes down to the principle that he had to jump through the hoops 
And it's only fair that you should have to jump through the hoops, too. Obviously, from a legal standpoint, you should jump through those hoops. But should you choose not to, you're going to have to gauge your neighbors. My personal experience has been that most neighbors have a live-and-let-live attitude, for better or worse. I kind of wish that somebody had ratted out the previous owner of our money pit because undoing all of the work that was not up to code and was done without permits cost us a fortune. So maybe the rat isn't so much out to get you as he's out to protect the next guy? I don't know. Is that too far-fetched? So yeah, get to know your neighbors. Having a good relationship with your neighbors is key to enjoying your property. A friendly wave is preferable to a cold shoulder. You want neighbors you can trust to look out for your property when you're not home. You want neighbors you can trust to look out for your kids. Not getting along with your neighbors can make life pretty miserable. So again, it bears repeating here. Be aware of how your actions and activities impact your neighbors, whether it's a noisy home improvement project or a weekend get-together. Communicate with your neighbors and let them know when you're going to be doing something that is going to have an impact. And try to respect their work schedules. Be willing to compromise. Sometimes it's worth giving in a little to keep the peace. Going back to that neighbor who was basically preventing that guy from operating a woodworking business. How well do you think they're going to get along now? Yeesh. Be tolerant. You don't have to love Puddle of Mud. You just have to tolerate it enough to tune it out. Hey, at least it's not Nickelback. Diddle with kids. Kids make noise when they play. And... They won't be kids forever, so learn to live with the noise of kids playing. The sound of music that may not necessarily be to your taste. The revs of the motorcycle down the street. God forbid the sound of the table saw in the garage of the woodworker next door. The smell of whatever the heck the guy across the street has on his grill. The splashing of water and kids screaming in the pool across the back. Be patient while waiting for the kids to move their hockey net to the other side of the road so you can pass. All of this is part of living in a neighborhood. This is what you signed up for when you bought a house in that neighborhood. And with that, I would like to thank you for spending part of your day with me listening to this episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast. The music in this episode is from the opening credits of the Australian soap opera, Neighbors, recorded from YouTube. Fair use is claimed. Link to the source video is in the show notes. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. I am always looking for new topic ideas, so if you have any suggestions or home improvement questions, drop me a line at thumbandhammer.com slash contact. Or just say hi. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, cheers.